Have you ever noticed how in every single story you come across, every single love story on the planet seems to follow the exact same track? They all do, every single one of them. You have two people who are typically identified very early on in the story, and you just look at them and you're like, they're gonna end up together. It's so obvious, they're perfect for one another. They were created for each other. We, as the audience, whether we're watching a movie or a TV show, whether we're reading a book, we see it long before they do. Early on in the whole story, we know these two are going to end up together. It takes them a while, but finally they come to the same realization that we have. The problem is there are always obstacles to their love, isn't there? In every single love story, you've got two people that are quite obviously right for one another, and yet there are obstacles that they have to overcome in order to get together. So the obstacles, like they run the gamut. They're quite varied, right? So maybe in one story, her father forbids them from being together, and that's the obstacle they have to overcome. Maybe he comes from a lower social class than she does, and so people are not comfortable with them being together. These sorts of people don't date those sorts of people, and so that's the obstacle that they need to overcome. Um, Perhaps, you know, uh, she's engaged already to another man. She has somebody that she's committed to. She doesn't really love him. She loves this guy, but they have to figure out how to get rid of this guy first before they can move on. Maybe he's sent off to war. You've seen that in a few stories, haven't you? And they have to wait for one another. And is she being faithful? And is he going to come back, right? It's a big obstacle to the two of these uh, perfect or very right people getting together. Uh, In some stories, you know, there's a witch that comes along and transforms him into a beast. And he's got to learn to love before the last rose petal falls on his 21st birthday, and that's the obstacle, right? He is literally a beast, and that's the only way that he's going to to be with the woman that he loves. Like, there are so many obstacles. Every single love story tends to follow this exact same track. And what's interesting is each of these stories spend all of their plot time on the two of them overcoming obstacles and getting together. In fact, there's almost nothing written after they end up together. Most of these stories end with a very famous saying. After they finally end up in each other's arms, the story ends and they lived happily ever after. You see, the hard part was these two people getting together. That was the tough part. Everything after that should be easy, right? They overcame all of these obstacles. The two perfect, right people for one another were able to get together finally. And from that point on, nothing else even needs to be said. Obviously, when two right people get together, everything turns out all right, doesn't it? Everybody believes that. Everybody thinks that's the way the stories go. That when we find the right person, everything in our life will turn out all right. And so as single people, we spend almost all of our time, we spend almost all of our energy, all of our resources trying to find the right person. That's our goal. That's what we're looking for. I'm looking for the right person. Understand, it's not just children's stories that propagate this idea that the right person makes everything all right. Every country music love song you've ever heard believes, baby, once we get together, it is going to be fireworks and magic, right? Every single episode of The Bachelor tells you that if you can choose the right one, 
the right one, everything will be all right. Every rom-com you've seen from Hollywood, they all lead you to believe the key to a lifelong happy marriage is choosing the right person. And so the flip side of that is, if you find yourself in a relationship where everything is not all right, where things are difficult and there's tension and there's fighting and you're like, I just want to strangle him. If you find yourself in that sort of relationship, well, that must be proof that you actually picked the wrong person. Because once you find the right person, everything turns out all right. We talk about it like I'm looking for Mr. Right. You've heard people say that. You've heard people say, oh, you know, we just separated, we broke up because we were just wrong for each other. We just were not good together. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not telling you that you should not look for the right person. You should spend your time looking for a person who is right or more right than everybody else because what's the alternative? Looking for the wrong person? No, you're not going to go looking for the wrong person. But if you believe that finding the right person will ensure that everything turns out all right, you are probably in for a bit of a surprise in your long-term relationship. Because that's not often how it works. Now, as Christians, we make this even worse. I'll be honest with you. Like, we're really bad about this. Because we don't just talk in terms of, I need to find the right person. We add in another layer of complication that we call God's will, right? And so we say as a Christian... It is God's will for me to marry him. Absolutely, I know it is. I'm just going to tell you guys, God's will is just Christian code for the right person. That we just want to believe that God is pointing us to the right person. And then when we get into a relationship and it's difficult and it doesn't work out, we look back at God and we're like, God, I don't understand what happened. You told me this was your will. You told me this was the right person person for me to marry. I'm so confused about what's going on here in my life. All of us, every single single person on the planet is bombarded with this idea that if you could just choose the right person, everything in your life will turn out all right. Can I tell you, that's one of the most naive ways that you can approach a relationship That is one of the worst ways that you can spend your single years is to devote all of your time and energy and resources into finding the right person. Because that myth, it doesn't really hold water. Let me ask all the married people in the room. If you're married, raise your hand real quick. Okay, good number of you guys. Okay. How many of you guys, at least on the day you said, I do... I don't know about now, okay? But at least on the day you said, I do, you were certain you were marrying the right person. Okay, don't elbow each other. If he doesn't want to raise his hand, then don't hold that against him. No, I'm kidding. Every married person in the room raised their hand because we all believed that we were marrying or are marrying the right person. But guys, single people, I want you to know, if you want to have a lifelong happy marriage, if you want to avoid the pitfalls that your parents have fallen into, your best friends have had to go through, if you want to avoid the collapse of your family, it starts way before you say, I do. 
It starts by saying no to the lie and to the myth that a happy relationship depends on finding the perfect person. That when I find that right person, everything will turn out all right. You need to understand that is a myth that culture has sold to you. And for as long as you choose to believe it, you are going to struggle in your relationships. Let me show you a verse of scripture here. We'll put it on the screen. It's Proverbs chapter number 14, verse 15. It's one of my favorites. It's like not about relationships necessarily. This is a general wisdom passage, but it applies to those of you guys who are looking for love. It applies to those of you guys who are looking to stay in love. Proverbs chapter number 14, verse number 15. The scripture says, the simple believe anything they're told. The simple will believe anything, but the prudent person gives thought to their steps. The simple will believe absolutely anything you tell them. That word simple in the scripture, it literally means naive. It doesn't mean you're stupid. It doesn't mean that, you know, you can't be successful or have a successful relationship. It just means that you are prone to buying into whatever you see in movies and in TV and in books or from your friends, right? The simple believe anything. The simple believe that if they find the right person, then everything will turn out all right. But if you ask any married person, I'll be the first one to tell you, but you can ask your parents any other person at all. Getting married does not fix our flaws. Marriage highlights our flaws. Okay, nobody told you this. And every married person in the room was like, oh, geez, he's so right. I wish somebody would have told me this early on. You think if you find the right person... Every insecurity, every shortcoming, every issue that you carry around right now will magically go away the day you find the right person. You're going to look each other in the face and you're going to say, I do. And she or he is going to say, I do. And you guys are going to live happily ever after. (laughs) Here's the truth. Marriage puts a giant spotlight on every single flaw an issue, and insecurity that you carried into that relationship. It doesn't get better. It actually gets worse. You need to know that. When you have somebody else who's constantly pointing out just how short you fall of an ideal standard, then you are going to feel worse, not better. It's going to be harder, not easier. You need to understand that marriage will not fix your issues. Finding the right person will not guarantee that everything turns out all right. That's naive. That's the way simple people think about relationships. Look, if you've got issues with your finances as a single person, then finding somebody to get married isn't going to make your spending habits go away. If you're addicted to internet porn now, guess what? That's not going to magically stop. You're not going to lose your desire for that the second you find a real body to share your bed. It hasn't happened for you yet, so why do you think it'll happen in the future? Hmm? If you have a need to be liked by everybody around you, it's not going to stop just because you found somebody who tells you every day, I like you. In fact, it's going to get worse. If you have a need to be right all the time, 
to constantly have the answers and have everybody listen and follow your orders, that is going to get much worse once you get married, not better. Because marriage does not fix your problems. Marriage highlights, it magnifies, it makes it incredibly obvious every single shortcoming and problem you have. Let me put you in a scenario here. I want you to imagine yourself, maybe you're not married yet, so let's put yourself in this story as an unmarried person. And you're at the mall later today, and you've decided after church you're going to eat, and then you're going to go do a little bit of shopping, and so you're standing at the cash register, and you're swiping your plastic card, and you know you don't have the money to pay for whatever the heck it is you're buying today, and you're thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to marry somebody who knows how to manage finances. I'm going to have to find somebody who's good at this because I'm not. Now, unbeknownst to you, your husband, your future husband that you haven't met yet, he's in Edmonton today. I know, you can't control who you fall in love with. So he's up in Edmonton today. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Some of you are not coming back after that one. So he's up in Edmonton today, and he's going to go to the mall. And he's going to swipe his card, and he's saying to himself, oh gosh, I've got to find somebody who's good at finances because I'm not. And, and two years from now, you guys are going to fall in love and you're going to get married and each of you are expecting the other one to fix your problems. And in this particular scenario, you've got two people who are really bad at something. You both want to be good at managing your finances, but neither of you have prepared at all to make that happen. And so when you get together and neither of you is capable of doing what the other person wants them to do, you are going to end up miserable. You're going to fight constantly. Because all this time you've both been saying, I expect my future spouse to be able to take care of these issues that I have today. Now, there's another way this scenario could play out. You might actually find somebody who is good at all the things that you're bad at. Wouldn't that be ideal? I mean, that's kind of what we're all hoping for, right? I want to look at my wife and say, you complete me. Everything that I'm bad at, you're good at. We are perfect balance, yin and yang, total harmony, always in unity because everything I'm good at, she's bad at, and everything that she's bad at, I'm good at, right? It just, that's the way we hope it'll work. And maybe you'll find somebody who's good at all the things that you are bad at. And you know what you're actually asking that person to do? You're asking them to bail you out of all your problems. You're saying, now hubby, look, I have abused my bank account for the last eight years, and I'm going to need your help getting out of this. I've abused my body for the last 10, 20, 15, whatever. Those numbers didn't go in order. 10, 15, 20 years, and I need your help to bail me out. Now, if that's the way you're approaching a relationship, you need to be honest and upfront about that. Like date number two, you just need to tell them. Okay, look, I want you to know I am $13,000 in debt. And so if we're going to go anywhere, I'm going to need your help getting out. Of course, nobody wants to be in that kind of relationship, right? Nobody wants that. So we've got a culture where people have come to believe that if they find the right person, everything is going to turn out all right. That means you don't really need to work on anything in your life right now. All you need to do is find the right person who's going to magically fix all of those issues. I'm telling you guys, and every married person under the sun will tell you the same thing. That's a lie. It's a myth. 
And if you continue to approach your relationships that way, if you bring that level of expectation into your family, you are nearly doomed for failure. It is so incredibly difficult to get out of that sort of relationship, to get out of that sort of dynamic. I'll be honest here for a sec. I told you last week, this series, there's going to be a lot of oversharing. So I'm going to overshare here for a sec. When I was in high school and college, I was terrible at managing my finances. Bad, real bad. So that by the time Amber and I got together, I was in debt. I had had a car repoed. It was bad news. And so at some point in our relationship, I don't know when it was, we had to sit down at a table and I had to say, babe, I need you to help bail me out because I'm bad at this and you're very good at it. Your credit's great. You've got savings. I don't. I need your help. And it created a very, very tense relationship early on for us. Now, I've learned, okay? Now I can deal with it. I don't make as stupid decisions as I used to when it comes to finances or anything else under the sun. But I'm telling you, in the first couple of years that we were married, we almost didn't make it. And it was primarily my fault because I grew up so poor. And I mean that, like really, really poor. I had nothing. So when I got old enough to get my own credit card and my own car, I just went crazy and I bought all the things that I could never have. And I thought, well, you know, when I find the right person, I'll stop doing all of these stupid financial things. Or that person is gonna be so rich that it won't even matter. Joke's on me, right? (laughs) That's what I expected. I went in believing the myth. And it nearly sunk our relationship before it ever got off the ground. Let's go back to that verse here for a sec. Proverbs chapter number 14, verse 15. The scripture says the simple believe anything. The naive believe that finding the right person is going to fix their problems and make sure everything turns out okay. But the prudent person, that word prudent, it means wise. It means the thoughtful person. It means the considerate person. The prudent person gives thought to their steps. All right, let's talk about that for just a sec. The prudent person does what? They give thought. They don't believe everything they're told. They don't believe everything they see on TV. They don't believe everything their friend tells them, you know, via text message. They say, I I don't know what you think is going to work, but I am going to put in work and effort and planning on the front end so that my marriage will last on the back end. The prudent person gives thought. They don't go into the marriage hoping for the best. They don't go into the marriage believing that somehow the other person is going to solve every heartache and issue and shortcoming. They give thought. Now, I want you to also notice the last section, the last little phrase there. They give thought to whose steps? Their own steps. See, culture has told you that you need to pay more attention to them than you. That if you want to have a successful marriage, all you need to do is identify and win over the right person. You need to pay close attention to their steps. Now, you can't ignore their steps. It matters who that person is and what they're doing with their life. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But the scripture says a truly wise person will pay attention to their own steps, what they're doing, where they're going, 
and then they'll worry about the other person in the relationship. If you want to have a lifelong marriage, you've got to quit focusing on finding the right person and start focusing on being the right person. Nobody does this. Nobody approaches relationships this way. This is not common. This is not average. This is not typical. This is not what anybody else in your office is doing. And yet, this is the key to setting yourself up for lifelong relational success because you choose to become the right person rather than simply find the right person. This is true whether or not you've already said, I do, okay? So let's loop those of you guys that are already in a relationship back there. Man, if you've got marriage problems, if you've got issues, your spouse is this and that, so do you, and you need to work on those. Talk to any marriage counselor under the sun, and they will tell you the vast majority of their job is getting people in counseling sessions to own up to their own issues and problems and responsibilities and stop blaming the other person, okay? If you can learn to do that, to become, to be the right person, then I promise you, you will end up finding the right person. You'll have a, a lifelong happy marriage. If you ask the Bible, if you go to the scriptures and you say, okay, God, I'm single and I'm looking for, you know, I'm single and I'm ready to mingle. I'm looking for the right person here. <laughs> Tell me, how do I find the right person? You won't find a single verse in there that really answers that question. It doesn't exist. It's not even a question the Bible tries to answer. If you're in a married relationship and you say, Bible, how do I make my husband into the right person? Because I'm not sure he is the right person, but I'd like him to be the right person for the sake of our kids. So how do I make him into the right person? You know what you're going to find in the Bible? A goose egg. That's not the way the scriptures work. That's not what the scriptures teach. It's not about them. It's about you. It's about putting in the work and effort to become the kind of person that can have a marriage that goes the distance before you work at finding the kind of person that can have a marriage that goes the distance. It is so incredibly important that you understand your steps are leading you somewhere. Every single decision you make is putting you further down a path and that path could lead you in a, in a multitude of, of different directions. Your, your steps, your decisions as a single person, they might lead you. They may be leading you towards fulfillment. They might be leading you towards wealth. They might also be leading you towards bankruptcy. Your steps might be leading you towards an emotional affair today. Your steps might be leading you towards intimacy. Or they might be leading you towards a third divorce. Every single decision you make moves you further down a path. And if you don't give thought to where your steps are leading you today, you'll be surprised when you end up there tomorrow. And every one of your friends, every neighbor on your street just about, they all look around and they say, I don't understand how we got into this situation. I don't understand how, you know, there was so much chemistry and passion and, and hope and excitement and love. And now it's like we can't even stand to be in the room together. I get tense when I know it's time for him to come home. And I don't even know how we got to this point. One of the reasons is because they've been looking at the other person as the source and solution to the problems instead of looking at themselves. 
And if you can start to look into your own heart, if you can start to become the person who has the ability to go the distance, then you will be much more likely to end up in a relationship that will go the distance. It starts with you, not with them. So ask yourself this question, single people. This is a good question. It's a little confusing. We're going to go slow. Am I the kind of person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? Am I the kind of person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? Because right now you're spending all of your time, where am I going to find the right person? And how do I know he's the right person? What qualities make her the right kind of person? Stop asking those questions for a while. Answer this question first. Am I the kind of person that the person I'm looking for is looking for? Because you've got this long list of everything that you want to see in your potential spouse. And guess what? They have the same list as well. And so if you're expecting them to work on all of their issues, they're also expecting you to work on all of yours. And if you won't work on yours, you have no right to expect that they might work on theirs. Hey, married people, that includes you too. If we would own up, if we would address, if we would deal with the issues in our own heart, if we both would do that, then we would start to see happy, healthy, lifelong marriages instead of constantly offloading the guilt and the responsibility onto the other person. I told you a moment ago, and this is so incredibly true, great marriages start long before you say, I do. Now, if you've already said I do, it's not too late. You can rebuild. You can have a great marriage, but it's going to be a whole lot harder. Those of you guys who are, all, are still single, you are in a single season right now, you are in a much better position to set yourself up for marital or relational success later on. You cannot assume that your passion and your chemistry and your promises are going to be enough to see you through. You cannot rely on those things. You have got to work and prepare and make yourself the kind of person who can have a successful relationship. You know this is true. I mean, imagine a hockey player going to his coach and saying, okay, coach, I know I haven't been to practice in the last three seasons. And I know I'm 40 pounds overweight today and I forgot my gloves. But if you'll put me in, coach, I promise I will be the best hockey player for you. I will score so many goals. I will make this happen. And a hockey coach would say, look, a promise isn't going to cut it. You need to prepare. And if you haven't prepared, then your promises are not going to overcome your lack of preparation. Imagine if you had to have an open heart surgery and you went to the surgeon and you said, hey, uh, surgeon, I I need this surgery, this bypass surgery. And the surgeon said, okay, I just need to be upfront with you. I flunked out of medical school and I don't really remember a lot of what they said. I was drinking a lot, partying, having a good time. But I promise you, I'm gonna put you under anesthesia. I'm going to, you know, do all the things that I need to do inside of your chest. And it's gonna be okay, I promise, because I care about you. You'd say, no way, I'm not signing up for that. And that's exactly what we do in our relationships. We expect that chemistry and passion and intensity will make up for our lack of preparation. You see, the scripture isn't focused on you finding the right person. The scripture is focused on you becoming the right person. And if you will do that, 
I promise you, you will be set up for relational success. But if you choose to continue to buy the myth, if you choose to continue to believe that the right person will make everything all right, you are going to end up dissatisfied. And your relationship will likely not last because you're asking your spouse to do something for you that they were never designed for, that they couldn't possibly make happen. Let me give you a a few practical ways that you can prepare now before you get into this committed long-term marriage relationship. Number one, make a list and get to work, you guys. And, And I say this as somebody who didn't do it early on, who eventually got, you know, his rear in gear and started to make things happen. And I'm telling you, things were so much better when I identified and acknowledged the things that were hindering my relationships and I started to deal with them. A a, a naive person believes anything. Ah, it'll sort itself out. A prudent person gives thought to their own steps. So look, figure out whatever it is that might hold you back in a future relationship. You know, list out, I'm in debt, need to deal with that. List out your sexual history. List out the fact that you haven't been able to keep a job steady over the last few years. List out your baby mama drama, you know? She's gonna be an issue later on, so we might as well start to address this now. List out every single thing that might negatively impact your next relationship and then start to do something about it. If you're wondering, like, is this something I should work on? If you would be scared to bring it up on your second date, if you'd be like nervous about telling them about this part of your life or history, then that's the sort of stuff you wanna start addressing now so that you don't have to say to anybody in the future, guess what, I've got tons of debt and I don't have any plan to get out of it right now. You can overcome that. You need to make a list and then get to work. I would encourage you to ask for some help. So find me, find somebody spiritual in your life that you trust and say, hey, this is my particular area of struggle. What are some Bible verses? What are some resources? What's some wisdom that you can give me so that I can start to deal with these issues in my life? I'd love to point you towards some of those things. I'm also gonna, uh, this week, I'm gonna give you two resources. Next week, I'm gonna give you married people two resources. This week's all about singles. Next week's all about you married folks. Um, I would encourage you if you are single to go out and buy these two books. They're super dirt cheap. You can get them on Kindle or at any bookstore. The first one is called The New Rules for Love, Sex, and Dating by Andy Stanley. It's phenomenal. In fact, a lot of the things that I've said this morning come directly from this material. I've taught it for years to college students, and I've seen their relational lives transformed when they got serious about putting these things into practice. Get that book. Take out your phone right now and make some notes or snap a picture or something. Get that book. The second one that I think you should get is called Swipe Right. It's by a pastor named Levi Lusco, and it just came out a few months ago. It's also quite good. These sorts of resources, some Bible verses that we can put in your hand will help you to get to work on the issues you need to address, okay? And the last thing I'll say about that, get to work, is join a small group, you guys. Get plugged into a group. You need help and encouragement and accountability in some of the changes that you're gonna be making. And the best place that you can find that is at Connect in small groups. So when the semester starts on June 4th, get plugged into a small group. It doesn't even have to be a relationship-based small group. Any small group will help you to move further down the path of where you want to go. 
okay? So make a list and then get to work. Here's the second one. Some of you guys are gonna get up and walk away right now as soon as I say this. You should cut out the casual sex. I really believe it. If you want to have a marriage that has the power and potential to go the distance, then casual hookups are one of the most detrimental things you can do to your ability to be intimate with one person later on. Now, I know you're thinking to yourself, come on, dude, that's so old fashioned. Are you kidding me? That sounds like what my grandmother would say. Seriously, like this is just the way our world works. People sleep around. It's not that big of a deal. Besides, you wouldn't buy a new car without test driving it. You wouldn't buy a new pair of shoes without slipping them on first. I mean, we're just making sure that we are fully compatible here, right? Newsflash, you're sexually compatible, okay? I, you don't have to test that. You are sexually compatible with like half the world's population. The odds of you being sexually compatible with somebody are so infinitely, infinitesimally small that you don't need to worry about that. But you are only relationally compatible with a tiny fraction of the number of people around you. And so here's the thing, like there are a lot of reasons that I could give you to say cut out, cut like back to zero, the amount of sex that you're having with random people, with you know people that you're not committed lifelong to. There are a lot of reasons. Some of them are spiritual. Some of them are psychological. There are a lot of relational reasons as well. I'm just gonna give you one to think about today and that's it, okay? I want you to understand that good sex can cover up a bad relationship. So if you are, you know, just getting to know somebody and you're trying to figure out, are we going to go the distance? Is this the right person? Is this the one that I'm going to marry? Sex is so powerful that as you guys start to hook up, it's going to cause you to overlook all the things that you should be paying attention to at that stage in your marriage or in your relationship, rather moving towards marriage. Yeah, like she annoys me. She drives me crazy. But, you know, in the afterglow of a fun night together, I don't really care. She's not that annoying. I got mine, right? And so what will happen is several months will go by and you guys will have only sustained your relationship on physical passion. And like everybody who's been married long-term will tell you, you cannot sustain a relationship on physical passion. Eventually, it'll stop being enough and all the things that have driven you crazy, you will not have worked on at all. And so you're gonna end up driving each other crazy. You're gonna hate one another for all of these little things that you should have been dealing with early on, but instead you let sex cover it up. Good sex will cover a bad relationship. And the more you let it, the less prepared you'll be to find a healthy long-term relationship. So I know it's old fashioned, you guys. I know it's difficult. I know it's not what you want to hear, but man, if there's anything I could get you to do, it would be that. Work on your relational compatibility instead of your sexual compatibility. Last thing, and man, I gotta wrap up, shoot. Prioritize your relationship with God above all else. I, I think you should prioritize your relationship with God above any and every other relationship. If you will do those three things, Make a list and get to work. Cut out the physical intimacy until you're ready for emotional intimacy and then make your relationship with God your top priority. I believe you will be set up for a successful, long-term, healthy marriage. You have one other option and that's to walk out the door and forget all this. 
and to go back to searching for the right person, not becoming the right person and expecting that's gonna work out. And I'll just be blunt with you. One day you're gonna call me up and you're gonna say, if we don't get some counseling, we are gonna end up in a divorce and we need you, Dan. We should have listened, but we didn't. And so now we've got to deal with the messy side of this. Save yourself that mess and heartache and trouble before you get into the relationship. Become the right person. Don't focus on finding the right person. 